Welcome to the Endless Wealth Podcast. I'm a mama of two little ones, owner of a multi seven-figure real estate portfolio, and I'm your host, Sarah Miskelly. My mission is to show ambitious, high-performing women in business how they can stop chasing money at work and start making passive cash flow and build wealth from real estate investing. Just be ready because with the right ideas and advice me and my phenomenal guests will share in each episode, you will see things differently than you ever thought possible. All right, let's get into this week's episode. So today's episode came about after a conversation I had the other day with a financial advisor. We were chatting about her client base, younger, under 40, kind of millennial generation. And we were talking about investing in alternative assets. And her biggest thing to me was, look, they don't want to get into alternative deals because they don't want to be made off. <laughs> they don't want to be part of a Ponzi scheme. And her world was mutual funds, Wall Street. And there actually wasn't even a knowledge of the opportunities in real estate um, in terms of investing and getting passive returns. And that there's actually deals out there that aren't sketchy or <laughs> like woo-woo. They're actually stable asset classes. It's just that People haven't heard about them. They haven't been in the common cultural dialogue because a lot of that is based on Wall Street in addition to popular strategies like Airbnb or things that are like shiny objects. So today I really wanted to go into multifamily real estate and how to protect yourself from risk. So I'm going to give you five ways to protect yourself when you are a passive investor in multifamily real estate, but honestly, these strategies and factors could work for most investments where you are participating passively. Let's get into it. Now, protecting yourself from risk, I mean, come on, it's obvious why you'd want to, and it's crucial, of course. You know, you're making money, you're working hard for it. You want to make sure that when you put your money to work for you, you're firstly, preserving your capital, you're safeguarding your investment from unnecessary risks. And look, we can never say that investing in any type of investment is risk-free the same way as we would never say, here's promised returns. And there's ways to mitigate for risk by being responsible. And that's really what I want to overview today. So it's really clear on what you can do so you can have the confidence to step into these strategies once again, first, preservation of capital. And then when you're investing in multifamily, one of the reasons people love it is that income stability. So you're generating rental income passively. So that asset is generating rental income from tenants paying rent. And you as a passive investor are getting those returns or portion of those returns. And mitigating risks in this way ensures that there's a more stable and predictable income stream for you as an investor, but as well on the operational side, looking at debt service and operating expenses. This is all stuff that the team looks at in depth when you're working with a good team to ensure that there is stable income at the property to then pay you as a passive investor, but also to ensure that things are running at a top tier. And any good sponsor is also building in room for what ifs. So what if interest rates go up? What does it look like? What if something costs more? What if insurance costs go up? So there's always a margin built in. Now, of course, 
Investing in real estate and multifamily is a great long-term wealth building tool. And that is generally what investors use it for. They do get cash flow, but I would say majority of people like to see that accumulation of profit over a few years and getting that lump sum and getting those tax benefits. And when you're investing in deals over time, you do start to take advantage of compounding. And that's what's also so beautiful. But when you get started, it's not just that first return on investment. If you invest those returns back into a deal, you can really start taking advantage of compounding. So it's, it's incredible in that way. And another way that we protect people's money in multifamily is these properties are increasing in value over time. Like most real estate, of course, there can be ups and downs, but generally real estate is appreciating. It's just how quickly that happens does change. And if there is a dip in certain markets or times that can affect that, but over time, long time, it does go up. And when people are investing in multifamily passively, they do get tax advantages as well. In addition to taking advantage of the asset appreciation through the increase in the net operating income. So that's one of the big differentiating factors is the value of the asset is based on how much money it's making versus when you're just buying like a single family home, the value is based on the comparable sales in the area. So that's a huge one. And all of this, <laughs> why it's so important is peace of mind and reducing your stress investing. Personal story, I've seen people in the last few years, because I'm always talking to investors and this is just the space I'm in, and heard what's happened when people are investing in deals that they aren't doing their proper due diligence in. And I've seen the stress that it can create in a family when things aren't going as promised and they didn't put that they didn't address the risk tolerance at the beginning and put an amount of capital into a deal that they were comfortable if things went south or they knew they could cover those financial challenges. So I think that making sure that when you're going into any investment, you are being very aware of your risk tolerance that I mentioned. And this is really to ensure that investing doesn't make you more stressed. It actually reduces your stress because you're getting passive income. So when you're investing in a, a good product with a quality team, it can reduce that stress because those unforeseen challenges or financial downturns are mitigated for. Now let's go into the actual due diligence process. So let's just say you find a deal and you're like, okay, this looks like something I would want to invest in. So you're going to want to first do a financial analysis. So review the underwriting for the deal. Any good sponsorship team is going to give it to you. And underwriting really is just going to give you clarity on the income, expenses, like cash flow at the property, like where the money's moving and how it's being used. And the financial targets that they're looking for and the potential returns. And then kind of, you know, you want to look at any debts on the property, what position you're in, are you preferred equity, which is going to get paid back after the bank, or are you common equity, which is kind of third down the line? So what is your protection to ensure that if worst case scenario, this asset needed sold, how likely are you to recoup your full amount of capital? So that's really important. It's just having some level of understanding of the financials. And this is where 
there is support available to you. You don't ever have to do this alone. Uh, this is what I know I bring my clients through a lot. We talk through it. We get on phone calls with the, the leads on the deal team. If there's any questions that can't be answered right now, we make sure that it gets answered using numbers and facts and data. So it's always available to you if you know what to ask and 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 are and I feel comfortable even asking. I think that's a fear that a lot of people have is they don't want to feel like they're asking too many questions, but you're investing your money. <laughs> you deserve to ask questions. The next thing that's really important is evaluating the local real estate market. So what are the supply and demand dynamics, the rent trends, like vacancy rates? And you're going to really want to make sure that there's been a comparative analysis done with similar properties in the area. So say, okay, if this property is projecting 1700 a month in rent, and right now it's performing at 1500 so they're charging 1500 how do you know it's going to get to 1700 Are the properties in the area at 1700 Are those properties even the same looking? Like, are they the same caliber? So all of these are the research that gets done by the sponsorship team that you are going to review when you're passively investing to ensure that you're doing the proper due diligence. Now, there's always a physical inspection. And when you're passively investing, you can 100% go to the property. That's what I personally love about multifamily is it's real. If I wanted to get on a plane or get in my car, if I'm in the same city and go look at the property, I can. I actually know what my money is going into and I know how it's being used. And I think that's what's really cool and not you know, sketchy or made offy about this type of investing is it's actually more clear where your money is going versus investing in a REIT or a stock. So one of the things that a sponsorship team is going to do is do an inspection of that property, any identify any maybe deferred maintenance or needed repairs, evaluate the structural integrity of the asset, mechanical systems, like HVAC, roofing, all the kind of normal real estate things. Uh, and then making sure, of course, that it's complying with building codes and regulations and, you know, environmental laws in that area and regulations. So, you know, that is the physical component of it. And then as a passive investor, the other thing that I always like to kind of highlight to people is this is an environment regulated by the Securities Exchange Commission. So you are going to have to sign a lot of legal documentation. Um, you're going to have to, not have to, I'm going to rephrase that. We highly recommend you speak to a lawyer, a financial advisor, whoever's in your, your team advisors in a sense uh, for financial matters to make sure this is in alignment with your actual overall investment thesis and goal. So that's a biggie. So that's where you are going to have to do your due diligence. And this is where the returns are passive. Yes. And the upfront work is there to make sure that you're investing in the right thing. That being said, once again, so much support is available. And that's what I do when I work with clients. And that's what other really, really great sponsorship teams do with their investors as well. Now, this is a biggie <laughs> and it's not highlighted enough, but one of the main things that has a property really do well and hit its return metrics and have happy people living there who are taken care of is property management. So when we acquire an asset, we make sure that we look at all the leases, at all the agreements, how is the property management running? Where are there holes that could be filled in with 
tighter systems and business plans and models. So we're going to look at the property's operational history, any ongoing concerns or issues, and just make sure that everything is optimized. So this is very much a streamlined process. Once we've done this on one asset, we're able to bring all of the things that worked at that other asset in a certain market and say, okay, this is where we can create efficiencies. For example, adding tech packages to regulate the heating and cooling during the day and the night, putting lighting in in certain areas of the property, like the stairwell that comes on with movement versus having it on all the time. And these are all little changes that add up to big financial changes because this is economies of scale. So we're not talking about one apartment or, you know, one, one hallway changing its lighting. You're talking about a whole building with hundreds of units with the lighting being turned off when it's not in use. So there's a lot that can be done. Um, adding in additional fees, adding in washer dryer units or, or charging for certain things that hadn't been charged for before. These are all efficiencies that boost the NOI. And that's what's great for you as an investor. Now, finally, for due diligence, being clear on the sponsor's exit strategy. That could be holding long-term, refinancing. And I'm going to give you an example. So there's an asset in Kansas City right now. And there's two plans for this asset. So because right now we're in an interest rate environment that's been higher than the last few years, everybody's a little bit on edge. They're like, okay, I need extra security around anything that I'm investing in, which I 100% agree. I'm totally in line with that because we don't want to in, get into deals essentially where there's, there's holes. So with this property, there's two plans. There's refi in three years or... If everything goes well, then we sell in three years. So there's two options available. If we're able to sell in three years, great. The business plan has that written in. But if there's any reason why we're not hitting the numbers of the sale price that is projected, whether that's interest rates is still not stabilized, then there is an option to refinance and wait out until 2025 or 2026. So there's always plans in place to mitigate for market dynamics with a good sponsorship team. And this property, for example, had a fixed rate loan of 3.9%. Um, that's a rarity now. And these are the kind of deals that give more room. So even if that interest rate went up to 6%, 7%, that's already been written into the underwriting. So exit strategy and understanding that is very important. In addition, identification of potential risks with the property and its location. So market risks, macroeconomic factors, insurance, like there's so many things that are kind of written in that you don't have to do the work to figure out, but the team is doing that to make sure that things are going to go as smoothly as possible. So then there's a document called a pro forma, and this is a financial model that projects the future performance with that property under the new sponsorship team's management. So there's so much, I hope you're getting from this, <laughs> even if you're like snoozing right now, that there's so much that goes into this due diligence wise from the sponsorship team, but also there's opportunities for you to do your own due diligence and have people to support you in it, whether that's a lawyer or a CPA, they can look over any documentation to make sure that it's in alignment with your goals. All right. So I'm going to give a little bit of a case study here. So there was a 150 unit multifamily property. And when the team looked at the financial analysis, there was inconsistencies for like the reported rental income in the properties 
financial statement. So that was a bit of a red flag. Um, based on market research in the area, the rental market was pretty saturated at that point. So that was putting downward pressure on the rental rates. And that really, quite frankly, threatened the property's ability to maintain projected income levels. So that wasn't looking good from an acquisition standpoint. Uh, property inspection. So this asset had significant structural issues. So that would cost a lot of money to fix. And there was a lot of unresolved maintenance issues and that would affect the operational cost. And then with a legal review, turned out there was an ongoing dispute with a neighborhood, like a neighboring property owner, and that would potentially create costly legal battles. And the result of all of this due diligence is terminating the acquisition process because it just wasn't good for investors. And it really saved them from having to deal with critical issues and preserve their capital. So this is the kind of work that's done before a deal even comes in front of you. Now, this is, I'm going to say the most important. (laughs) And I feel like I'm going to say that a lot, like, oh, this is super, super important. But no, but this is actually, actually, actually the most important. And I won't say that again, partner selection. So when you're choosing who you want to invest with, I'm going to give you five things that you must, must, must look for. One, reputation and track record. So you're going to want to evaluate the sponsorship team's reputation in the industry and if they've had success in their previous real estate investments. So trustworthy partners will have a history of delivering on their promises and generating positive results. And it's all available to you. And if anybody isn't willing to give you that information, well, I I honestly say turn the other way. Don't, Don't pursue that any further. A good sponsor is happy to show you their success and share about where there's been areas where they've had to adjust and how they handled it. But I think that transparency of communication, which is my second point, uh, is so critical. So you're really going to look for partners who are very transparent and open in their communication. You know, trustworthy partners will keep you informed of the progress of your investments, potential challenges and opportunities, and really ensure you have a clear understanding of your partnership. Like, where do you stand with them? Um, how often you're going to be communicated with? What are the expectations for communication? Where do you ask questions? Who do you contact? All of that stuff is really important just to know there's open lines of communication. Uh, so experience and expertise, you're going to choose partners with relevant experience and expertise in the specific type of real estate investment you're considering. So, you know, if somebody's a pro in single family and they're like, oh, I'm going to go take down a 200 unit apartment building for the first time, like want to invest with me, like maybe it could work out. And at the same time, I would personally opt not to do that. I've seen it go wrong way too many times. The capacity and the network is just not there for a single family player. And I'm not here to say that it can never be there, but that is a huge scale up. And as a investor, you'd want to know that you're working with people who know the industry really well, or if you have money to play around with and you have friends that you trust and it's their first time doing a deal like this, but you know that they're going to fulfill on what they promise, of course, like support, support, support is good. But I think if you're going into this as a first timer and you're new to it and you don't have millions of dollars to throw around, then being very careful with the track record of your partners is important. So, you know, really seasoned professionals are better equipped to navigate challenges and make informed decisions. Alignment of interest. That's the next one. So ensuring your partner's financial interests are aligned with yours. You know, trustworthy partners would usually have their own capital invested in the project. Naturally. Why wouldn't they? They see it's a good opportunity. <laughs> they're making money from it. And that's why they're bringing other people onto the deal. So that's a lot of times you're going to see partners that have capital in the deal. And this really shows commitment to success. 
Then finally, references and due diligence. So conduct through due diligence by checking references from previous partners and investors. You can ask them for contact information for other investors um, that have worked with the team. This sometimes does require a deeper relationship because let's be honest, if you were a passive investor in a deal and you were fielding phone calls all the time from some like maybe interested investors, that wouldn't really be how you want to spend your time. So I think if that's a little bit of a buildup question, you want to really be committed to investing in the deal at some level before you start taking people's time and their privacy away, but it is an option. I think if there's clear communicate, like commitment, I should say, not communication commitment. And sometimes maybe you'll sign like an NDA or something along those lines. Um, but that's also very helpful to give you the comfort of speaking to somebody who has had success investing in that type of deal. Now, investing in multifamily. This is a few reasons why I love it and why I'm always hyping it up and why I'm so excited for the deals that I have coming online in Q1. If you want to know more about these super amazing assets, definitely reach out to me. Uh, Diversification. So you're lowering the risk of having a single asset. So when you're investing in multifamily as part of a diversified portfolio, you're reducing your risk as a passive investor because if that single property were to face unexpected challenges, let's just say, it would impact your entire portfolio, which is one property. But when you're in a large asset, there's economies of scale. If one unit isn't paying rent, that's not necessarily going to affect your returns. There's also that income stability. So multifamily properties are, have more rental income coming in. Um, and this is, once again, an opportunity to protect your invested capital. There's going to be money coming in from the things I mentioned before. So additional fees, upcharges. Um, then there's also the rental income. So there's different ways that money's coming into this asset. And if, if everything's being done properly, there's also been a margin for any vacancies that are in the property as well. Meaning if not all the units are filled, they're still able to make enough cash flow to cover everybody. And usually you'll see about some properties I've seen, um, 57% would be the, the threshold that you had to hit in terms of occupancy to break even. And some of these assets are like 99% occupied. So it would take a lot to, to even break even, to even break even. Um, and then also different property types may respond differently to market fluctuations. So when you're in multifamily, it's generally considered more recession resistant because there's been so much put into figuring out the economics of the area. So how many jobs are in the area? What's the population growth versus we've seen a decline in other asset classes like retail or office spaces just because the shifting dynamic of those sectors, the way people shop, um, the way people work, the way people live, <laughs> to be honest, more people are renting, not less. So there is a mitigation of risk at that level. And another thing that's really important about diversification is looking at multifamily as a part of your portfolio. So I'm never one to say, oh, you should just invest passively in multifamily. No, like diversify within real estate. So if you want to own your own single family or house hack, have a duplex, if you want to have some money in stocks, crypto, whatever that looks like for you, go for it. If you're an educated investor, do whatever feels right. I think what's great about having multifamily in that portfolio is it does offer that passive cash flow as well as that kind of pop of profits after we sell a property in three to five years. It's also a hard asset. Um, loan to value ratios have gone down a lot. And what that means is the banks are only going to lend a certain amount on that property. So the value of that asset has to be 
considerably more than what the loan is on it. And that's where you have a protection in place. And once again, I never promising returns, but there's this built-in protection knowing that your money is backed by real estate. And that's partially why people love real estate investing. Now, legal safeguards, when you're investing passively, everything is super legal in this world. So a lot of contracts you're going to have to sign, the PPM, the agreements are like hundreds of pages to review and have your lawyer review. So having solid legal contracts is really important. And you're going to want to make sure that you understand those contracts, how you're protected, what the, the sponsorship team is doing to make sure that your, your capital is protected and what happens to money if things are going sideways, let's just say. So legal contracts usually have protective clauses that are designated to safeguard passive investors. Um, they may cover things like preferred returns, capital call limitations, exit strategies, and specific provisions that ensure invest- investors' financial interests are protected. You'll also see conflict resolution mechanisms. So, you know, if there's any disputes between the sponsor team and the passive investors, um, there'd be agreements that outline arbitration and mediation process. And this mitigates for costly and protracted legal battles. Um, there's also compliance and regulatory requirements. So real estate investments can be subject to various regulations. Uh, and that would be making sure that these agreements are putting in place legal protections for you as a passive investor and making sure that the actual asset is adhering to federal and state regulations, securities regulations, the entire investment process is adhering to securities regulations. And this just reduces the risk of legal repercussions. And that's very important when you're getting into this to know that's in place in your investment. All right, we're on the final one. I know this is a bit of a loaded episode (laughs) with information, but I think it's so appropriate right now. Um, I've just been hearing like I mentioned at the beginning from that financial advisor, there's so much media hype around like Ponzi schemes and being made off. And I think that the only way to combat that is through education and sharing knowledge. And that's really my passion. And my purpose here is to make sure that people are informed investors because there's so much opportunity out there. And if you're putting a wall up before you understand it, that could have been the one thing that got you to reach those financial goals you had or the ability to have financial freedom or time freedom, or in my case right now, I'm living in Costa Rica, geographic freedom. So a little soapbox, but I just really care about educating people and ensuring that they understand their options. Uh, Cause it's unfortunate when everything that is not Wall Street gets labeled as you know, a Ponzi scheme or sketchy or skeezy when there's heavy regulation, arguably more so (laughs) when you get into these type of alternative assets. So I digress. Um, But my final thing was how to manage your risk. So proactive risk identification, that's really what a syndicator's risk management plan is going to want to include. It's going to identify potential risks, and that provides peace of mind to investors. So a well-structured risk management plan would involve looking at market-specific risks, which we talked about, property-related economic risks, like rising interest rates or rising insurance costs, or if there's issues in one city with employment. So just like looking at the overall economy. Um, and this is really going to be two sides, internal and external factors. And that's where a risk management plan is going to look at, it's going to look at both. So risk management strategies 
are going to range from, you know, diversification and in insurance coverages and contractual protections and operational improvements. And over time, there's going to be continuous monitoring by the sponsorship team on all of this stuff, which is a lot. And that's why there's a real benefit to investing in these deals because you don't have to do any of this, but as well, why the, the market for this is also something that as real estate investors, we like being involved in because commercial real estate is very lucrative. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's a lot of return. And there's a satisfaction as well from actually making a difference in a real person's life by fixing or repairing or improving the place that they live. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, housing. <laughs> it's one of the big ones. So just making sure that there's contingency plans, contingency plans in place from the sponsorship team and how resources would be reallocated if there was any issues and, you know, exit strategies, if there is going to be, um, you know, an inability to sell, like all the things I've gone through, this is kind of a summary that a well-defined risk management plan would really provide passive investors a peace of mind when they're putting their money into a deal, their hard-earned money into a deal. And these are some of the things that you want to make sure that the sponsorship team is putting in place for you. So key takeaways, I would say, let's finish this off. Due diligence matters. It's your first line of defense against any risk in any kind of investment. But these ones were specifically for real estate syndications as a LP, so passive investor. Finding trustworthy partners. Said it before, this is the number one one. <laughs> Choose experienced and transparent partners to protect your investment. Diversification is key. So diversify across properties and markets to reduce risk and enhance stability. And that's probably why you're even interested in multifamily because if you're anything like me, real estate in your area might be too expensive or you may not have the time to manage it. And being able to get into deals in markets that have been vetoed in a sense is a real opportunity for you. Um, legal safeguards, that's the next one. So strong legal protections and contracts are crucial. You're always going to see proper legal contracts coming from me and my team and make sure you bring those legal contracts and have a legal professional review them. And last but not least, effective risk management. Our well-defined risk management plan will provide peace of mind and ensures timely risk mitigation. Once again, there's never no risk to investing. But if you can do all the things that I talked about today, you're mitigating for risk. And at the end of the day, when you know you've done everything you can, and then you trust yourself to make a decision based on facts and having a good feeling about the team and the deal, then it's about taking action. And I can't stress this enough because we can all research, research, research. At the end of the day, there's a whole like next level when you actually put your money where your mouth is and start investing. Because most of the time, once investors try one deal, they keep adding more and they keep getting into more deals and adding more capital and really understanding the industry itself. So I hope this helped today. Once again, loaded, <laughs> loaded episode. If there's anything that I didn't answer, make sure to reach out to me. I'm always available. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I am very often, more often than I would like to admit. <laughs> uh, but feel free to shoot me a message there. And if there's anything that you'd like me to talk about on an episode, also let me know. I want to know what would provide value to you and how I can help you on your journey, real estate investing. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Endless Wealth Podcast. If you loved what you heard here, please leave me a five-star review on Apple. It would mean the world to me to get this information out to more people like you.